Welcome to Keys to the Future, a podcast for students and early career professionals who are looking for ideas and advice on how to stay focused on their education and career path journeys. My name is Gabby Coe, and I'm a senior engineer at one of the most successful engineering companies in the world. I want to inspire you to stay focused on your education and career journey through conversations with my guests. Everyone has a story of resilience and perseverance. And through this podcast, I hope you can learn from the experiences of others and create that catalyst to propel you to take the next step, set your next goal, or achieve the next level. In this season of Keys to the Future, I'm introducing some inspirational stories of courage, perseverance, and dedication to achieve goals. Do you ever feel like you're going to lose your cool when you're stressed or something didn't go as planned or you're going through a tough period or didn't do as well on a test or your annual performance at work? This list can go on and on. We've all been there. Different situations can trigger our emotions to react in ways that we might regret later. Controlling our emotions can help us obtain better outcomes to any situation. According to Psychology Today, Emotional intelligence is the ability to identify and manage our emotions as well as the emotions of others. You're probably wondering, why should I care about this topic? In my opinion, you should care a great deal. Emotional intelligence can help you build better relationships that in turn can lead you to accomplish your goals, whether you're a student or a professional at any level. I can't help but think of the beloved Disney movie, Mary Poppins, and the lyrics, just a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down in the most delightful way. I interpret this as finding positive ways to approaching challenges can lead you to better outcomes. I am not an expert in this field and sometimes I struggle with my own emotions. So let's talk to someone who is. I would like to welcome Dr. Elizabeth Dadio. She is the Director of Project Management Office at Air Products. Her group has global accountability for improving how the company engineers and builds industrial gas plants. Emotional intelligence skills are used by her every day to help colleagues seize improvement opportunities, to maximize her credibility in critical interactions, and to drive a culture of self-confidence and high performance. She resides in Pennsylvania with her spouse and their three young children. Thank you for spending time with the Keys to the Future community, Dr. Dadio. Thank you so much for having me today, Gabby. It's really my pleasure. In reading about the topic of emotional intelligence, I was really surprised to learn that the term was not popularized until like the mid-1990s. And research has shown that being able to manage our emotions can help us be more successful both personally and professionally. I'm certainly no expert in this area and I struggle with my own emotions at times. Can you educate us about emotional intelligence and why is this important for us to leverage in our everyday life? Absolutely, Gabby. Like you rightly said, the term emotional intelligence didn't really become popularized until the mid 90s, although it was known for some time before that. Really emotional intelligence was seen as the missing piece correlating professional success to individuals' skills. It was thought in the decades before that, that intellectual quotient or IQ was the key indicator of what made folks perform well. Emotional intelligence, however, 
talks about one's skills and abilities to understand and manage emotions. And it's really important for us to leverage emotional intelligence in our everyday life because it's critical to being able to accomplish our most important goals. As a high school student, perhaps you are nervous about an exam and want to be able to master your emotions so that you can calmly get through that that Spanish test at 3 p.m. Or perhaps as a professional, you're very uncomfortable trying to confront a colleague who has missed a deadline and you need to be able to have that sense of presence to adjust in the moment to hold someone accountable. No matter where you are in your life and your education journey, emotional intelligence is critical if you want to succeed at what matters to you most. Those are excellent points. And I heard your talk on emotional intelligence at the Society of Women Engineers Conference earlier this year. Your nursery rhyme approach in describing emotional intelligence was brilliant. I really loved it. I'm probably not going to do enough justice, but those E-I-E-I-O, you have emotional intelligence. Use it for professional success. Can you share it with our audience? I'm so glad you enjoyed it, Gabby. And I had so much fun putting that talk together. I would be happy to share the nursery rhyme. Let me give it a little bit of context, though. As you mentioned earlier in my bio, I'm the mother of three young children. I also am passionate about sharing what I've learned in the workplace with those young men and women who are coming up behind me in in the workplace, especially in the science and engineering fields. And I wanted to think about a way to present this content in a way that was fun and relatable. And what's unique about emotional intelligence is that men and women develop different emotional intelligence skills across Uh, many cultures and locations. And so that gave me the idea to use nursery rhymes when across many cultures is, is when we see men and women beginning to develop different gender roles according to where they're brought up. So the nursery rhyme that I made up to explain emotional intelligence went something like this. An engineer got in a fight E-I-E-I-O, whose calculations were wrong and whose were right. E-I-E-I-O, the supplier shouts, the engineer doubts, the commercial manager in the corner pouts, that engineer was in a plight. E I E I O. For those of the students that um, are listening to the podcast and may not be familiar with what an engineer, a supplier, and a commercial manager do, I essentially made up a scenario that actually could be quite plausible in the workplace, whereby an engineer could be using calculations to prove to someone else that they owe their company more money. As you might imagine, this this could be a pretty uncomfortable situation all around where the commercial manager just kind of wants everyone to get along, the supplier doesn't really want to fork over more money, and our engineer just wants people to follow the data. 
So it was a way of inventing a story with a silly spin to make emotional intelligence a bit more accessible for the audience I was sharing it with. And I like your scenario, but I think also like as a student working in a group project, that's also very applicable because you're dealing with different people, different schedules, different ways of thinking. So conflict can come up, but you also have to manage your emotions. I love that. I think it's brilliant. Thank you, Gabby. I totally agree with you. Whether you are in an academic setting or in a professional setting, or even at home, regardless of what home looks like for you, conflict is a way of life and emotions are a way of life. Simply put, emotions are your body's instinctive response to a situation. And as you will have heard in my presentation, it really came about because when we were evolving into the wonderful Homo sapiens we are today, the limbic system part of the brain got the signals that we experience through our senses before any other part of, of the brain. Now, that limbic system is what allows us to quickly respond with a fight or flight kind of response. So, when we were cave men and women being attacked by a pack of wolves, we didn't have to logically think about what we would do. Our limbic system in our brain would take over and we would run out of there or we would lift up our club and be ready to fight. Now, of course, today, when you're about to talk with a group mate on a project who may be not pulling their weight, you don't need to go into fight or flight mode. What you actually need is your prefrontal cortex, where the higher thinking happens. You need your rational brain to take over. And this is really why emotional intelligence is so critical, because instinctively, our bodies want to fight or flight and can hijack that rational part of our brains when we need it most. I agree. There are some times when your emotions kind of just take over, but that rational brain needs to pull us back in order to be able to resolve conflict and really get to the bottom of what it is that we need to do. Can you fill us in as to why it is important for us to control our emotions? Yes, Gabby, exactly right. We do need to be able to manage our emotions. And I love the way that you phrased that question because it, it allows us to explain to our audience here that there is a common misperception that we need to control our emotions and not let them come through. And instead, what I like to encourage folks to do is instead of thinking about controlling emotions, think about managing them. Because sometimes they're so strong in a moment that you may not be able to stop yourself from feeling them. And that's okay. It's not so much about not feeling the emotions. It's about what you do in response to those emotions. If we go back to our, our silly nursery rhyme example, and we are talking about an engineer trying to do is show how her calculations resulted in something different, she might be feeling very nervous or angry or scared or upset in response to a supplier who is shouting. Now, let's think about what the primary objective for the engineer is. She wants to make sure that her company is getting the fair amount of money or services that maybe they've agreed to. 
maybe she wants to make sure that she can maintain a good relationship with the supplier. Whatever her key objectives are, if she acts purely out of her emotions rather than managing them, she has the potential to damage all of her objectives. So perhaps she gets so angry that her calculations are being questioned that she yells and shouts. Well, now she's potentially damaged the relationship with that supplier. Instead, we have to think about what it means to manage our emotions. And this brings us to essentially what emotional intelligence is all about. How do we use our knowledge of our emotions to appropriately manage them so that the next actions we can take bring us closer to our goals? I love that. Manage our emotions rather than controlling them because we're still going to have those feelings, but being able to manage them, it's key. So in your talk, you mentioned that 90% of high achievers are also high on emotional intelligence. Can you expand on this? 90% of high achievers in the professional setting are also high in emotional intelligence skills. This was the key I was talking about earlier when it came to discovering emotional intelligence. The intellectual quotient or a person's ability to reason through problems was not perfectly correlating to professional success. When researchers discovered the 90% correlation between emotional intelligence and high workplace performance, they knew that they found the key that they were missing in explaining people's performance. So in other words, if you are to achieve your goals and be able to accomplish your lofty pursuits, your dreams in the workplace, there is a really good chance that if you work to improve your emotional intelligence skills, you will get there much faster and much more successfully than if you were only to focus on your reasoning skills. That makes a lot of sense. And going back to a, the scenario as a student, as you're navigating through college, uh, high school level in college, you've got to be able to navigate through group settings and uh, getting the work that needs to be uh, done done, right? And so sometimes you have to really navigate through those settings where you may have a student or a, a friend who's not pulling their weight. And so how do you handle that? You also mentioned that emotional intelligence is a collection of skills. Can you fill us in on what these skills are so that we can increase our emotional intelligence quotient? I would like you to picture uh, a box in your mind, draw a line vertically up and down through the middle of the box, and then draw a line right to left through the center of the box. So now you have a two by two grid. I'm going to use this two by two grid in your mind now to explain what the four key skill areas are of emotional intelligence. In the top part of the box, in the top left hand, we will put in that box the skill set called self-awareness. And then we're going to put in the top right hand box, self-management. So we have self-awareness and self-management. These are the two skill areas that have to do with you as an individual, you as a person. Self-awareness is about being able to perceive your own response to stimuli 
to know what emotional response you're having. So Gabby, let's say that I woke up this morning and I remembered that I had a podcast to record with you. Maybe I felt my heart starting to beat a little bit rapidly. Maybe I felt some warmth flush to my cheeks. For those who are high in self-awareness, they would be able to diagnose the fact that they were feeling nervous. In that next box over self-management, this is an effectiveness set of skills. So once I'm able to diagnose nervousness, self-management looks like being able to do something with that emotion. Maybe I take a deep breath. Maybe I sip some warm tea, do yoga, take a walk. You get the idea. The point is that I'm doing something to manage the emotion that I'm feeling. In the next set of boxes down at the bottom in our in our mental grid that we've drawn the bottom left hand side skill is social awareness social awareness is another set of perception skills but these have to do with your ability to perceive those around you so social awareness is being able to pick up on the physical cues that you see or hear to be able to diagnose what others around you may be feeling. In my nursery rhyme example, I talked about the supplier shouting. I'm sure that we've all experienced someone shouting out of anger. They tend to have their eyebrows narrowed. Maybe they have a frown on their face. Perhaps their face got a little bit red. Maybe they hunch their shoulders or get into a very aggressive position. Notice that those are all outward physical signs that you can observe. That's what social awareness is all about. So now in that box that we've drawn in our mind, the top left was self-awareness and the bottom left was social awareness. So those taken together are your perception skills. As you might have guessed, your last box in the bottom right is social management or better called relationship management. So now once you have your goals clearly in mind, you want to be able to influence or manage the relationships that you're having with those who are interacting with you. So if it's a supplier who not only do you want to have a fair price, but also you want a good relationship, maybe you would ma manage that relationship by pausing and saying, hey, supplier, it seems that you're discontented or upset about something. Can we talk through your perspective? Notice what I did there, Gabby. In my response, instead of digging my heels in and insisting that my calculations were right, I opened a door into dialogue. This is what the relationship management category of skills is all about. So again, just to sum up, I've drawn a, a box in our heads and top left, self-awareness, top right, self-management, bottom left, social awareness, and bottom right, relationship management. Those are the four skill areas of emotional intelligence. I do agree that through conversation, we understand each other and each other's perspectives. What are some techniques that we can use to develop these types of skills, whether we're in an academic or professional setting? That's really the key, Gabby, is not just being aware of what these skill categories are, but then to actually use them and build them up. The first thing I would do is I would encourage listeners to do a little bit of research for themselves. It's so easy these days to type into a web search to find out a little bit more about these emotional intelligence categories. But I am going to share with you a couple specifics. 
The first on self-awareness is really knowing about yourself. And in my 15 years of professional experience, I found that the more I know myself and the more I can predict how I'm going to behave in a given setting, the more successful I can then be in preparing for that situation. So self-knowledge is one of the key skill areas in self-awareness. You can get self-knowledge by reflecting how you yourself behaved after a given high emotion situation. You can ask a friend, a parent, or a trusted colleague to give you feedback on how you're perceived. These are all critical areas for self-knowledge. Other important areas for self-awareness are optimism. Your ability to have a positive outlook on how things might go will give you the confidence then to be honest with yourself about how you might behave or act. Next, on self-management, this is really all about taking care of yourself, knowing your propensity for behaving a certain way in a situation. Gabby, I'll tell you, I have been in some very high pressure meetings where I knew that if I didn't step out of the room and take a break, I may have said something that I would have had a hard time living with myself with later. I think we've all been in conversations where we can feel ourselves getting carried away by our emotions and yet not being able to stop. One of the best ways that you can work on self-management is to identify what you need to do for yourself in a moment to help to calm down that limbic system where you're being told by your brain to fight or flight and calm it down to give you time to think. I have a couple of specific tips for that area. The first one is when I feel my emotions getting strong, I try to remember to feel what it's like to exist in my body at that moment. So if I'm in a spot where I'm angry or nervous or sad, I try to focus on the feeling in my fingertips. I try to be aware of the firmness of my feet on the ground. Or maybe I even just put my hand in my pocket and feel it ball up like a fist. All of those things bring me very physically back into my body and help give my emotions time to be identified a bit within myself. Another, um, and this is a tip I learned back in high school, is to picture myself up on a balcony looking downward into the situation that I'm finding myself in. By doing this, I give myself the mental perspective to not only observe what's going on inside me, but then that's a tip to help me in relationship management too, because then I can observe what's going on in those around me. Those are great tips. And just like the other skills that we need to develop, we need to use and build up the skills. So practice makes perfect. So preparing ourselves, uh, making ourselves aware of how we would react, we can then take the necessary steps, how we would manage those reactions. So how can we use these techniques to achieve our goals in academics as well as professionally? This is where it really comes together, Gabby. We need to be able to first be able to articulate our goals to ourselves, And it's not only academics and professional settings, but also our home life and our relationships with those who matter most to us. If our goals are to have good, healthy, strong connections to others, including with ourselves, then we really need to pay close attention to how emotions come into play. Like it or not, they're part of every single interaction we have in our everyday life. 
So I would encourage those who are listening and want to make an immediate positive impact in academics or professional or personal life to start paying attention to those interactions and start to think about the ways that emotions are playing a part. Now, please don't get me wrong. The point of emotional intelligence is not to manipulate others or to try to fix others. Emotional intelligence is all about focusing on your goals and using these skills to try to achieve them. So in an academic setting, if the goal is to have a good balance between schoolwork, relaxation, and extracurricular activities, start to notice the way that you're feeling when you want to go grab your smartphone and start scrolling through TikTok. Maybe emotionally, it feels really good to just do that mind-numbing activity, but maybe in your heart, you really know you should be focusing on studying for that test tomorrow. What are the emotions going on inside of you? You know, folks might use words like procrastination, but that's not actually an emotion. Try to dig a little deeper and be very honest with yourself. Are you feeling bored and unstimulated? How could you make studying more exciting for yourself? Are you feeling nervous and don't want to face the reality that you feel underprepared? Be honest with yourself about that. Maybe go get some fresh air. So really, Gabby, it's having the ability to articulate your goals and then to think about how emotions are dictating your behaviors that best position us to achieve our goals in academics, in our personal life, and professionally. I love that. I mean, articulating the goals about all the aspects of our lives. I think that's brilliant. Relationships with others really pay an important role in everyone's lives, whether we are at work, at school, with friends. So the way that we react to different situations and scenarios, depending on where we are, having that articulation of the goals for all of those relationships, it's really important. How can we handle an intense exchange at work or school? Intense exchanges are certainly uh, not uncommon these days. Whether you're with a family member and you uh, want to better understand their political perspective, or whether you are nervous about catching an illness and want to encourage someone else to use uh, personal protective equipment, such as a mask, our world is certainly not low on controversial topics <laughs> and intense exchanges. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in the school or in the workplace, it's very common as well. I mentioned earlier a potential scenario where you have to confront a schoolmate or a colleague about not delivering on commitments. This happens all the time and it doesn't get much more tense than this. We have decisions to make about our behavior. Do we want to choose to ignore the situation in favor of trying to keep friendly relations. But then we face the unfair situation of then having to do more work than is assigned to us. Well, it's actually something called a fool's choice to think that the only way to salvage a relationship is to stay silent. This is where you should use your individual brilliance to think of the right things to say in that moment and to leverage all of your emotional intelligence to be able to both maintain a relationship and to confront an individual about something that they're not delivering on. 
Now, despite all of our preparation, sometimes these conversations don't go well and they do get tense. And this is where first and foremost, you need to keep your goals in mind. If you have a goal of both maintaining a relationship as well as getting the work done, the best thing you can do is first to make it safe by stop talking to the person about what's going wrong with the schoolwork and find out about them as a person. You know, if things are really going off the rails, say, hey, do you want to take some time to cool down and we can talk about this later? Or, hey, what's preventing you from doing this? I mean, is there some uh, skill areas that we need to brush up on before we can continue? Or maybe even something like, hey, hey, friend, um, I know you've had a really rough time at home. However, we really all need to be able to chip in here. Is there something else I can do to help you create the time you need to get work done? Now, if the intense emotions are coming from within you, some of the ways that you can diffuse these intense exchanges are to excuse yourself from the situation. Whether it's going outside for a breath of fresh air, whether it's step aside and and use the restroom, or whether it's even just standing up to stretch a bit, there are ways that you can interrupt yourself to gain management of your emotions before continuing. Those are great points. I really like what you said that we have decisions to make about our behavior. And really, that will really dictate what happens next. Exactly. Any closing advice you'd like to provide our audience on how to increase our emotional intelligence? As you can tell, Gabby, I'm pretty passionate about this topic, and I'm a very strong believer in the ability for emotional intelligence skills to help you achieve your goals and dreams. Whether you are in your very first year of high school or whether retirement from your professional career is on the horizon, we all have emotional intelligence skills that we can build on, practice, and further leverage. Because they're not just for academics and professional life. They're also for our our own ability to manage ourselves and to have strong, healthy relationships in our personal life. So my closing piece of advice to the audience would be, take some time to further research this. You don't have to go and buy a book. You can just go online and do a little bit of poking around about what emotional intelligence is. There are even some high-quality free materials online that will allow you to take a self-assessment to find out what skill areas are you strong in and which ones would it really help for you to develop further. Again, those four skill areas of self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management apply to all of us. So I would encourage anyone who's interested in helping them to achieve their own goals to look into them and practice them. Dr. Dadio, thank you so much for your advice and perspective. Gabby, it was absolutely my pleasure. And I wish you the best of luck on all of your emotional intelligence journeys. In closing, Theodore Roosevelt once said, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Thanks to my guest, Dr. Elizabeth Dadio. Thanks to Kirk Krause for graphics design. Thanks to Roger Coe for endless reviews and encouragement. And thanks to Joe, always. If you like Keys to the Future, please share it with your friends and let them know they can subscribe to Keys to the Future on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. 
You can follow Keys to the Future on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you for listening. I'm Gabby Coe, and I'll be back next week with another episode of Keys to the Future. Thank you.